0: handful of years ago uh, Kelly and I were visiting uh, her parents house over Thanksgiving uh, it's probably about about eight years ago nine years ago now and uh, we had lived in Dallas at the time and we had gone to Thanksgiving and uh, had some time there and uh, with Kelly's parents and and we came back in and uh, it was uh, on an afternoon and uh, we noticed something was a little odd in in the front yard and, and so we kind of we're kind of checking things out, but um, there was also some some things that weren't necessarily right, and so we walked around the back of the house, and as we walked around the back of the house, our back door was basically kicked in, and as we went in, our house was just destroyed, um, uh, our I can remember vividly uh, having um, the... Uh, everything in the kitchen just, I mean, ripped out. Even our blender had been ripped out of the wall, and the cord was broke. You walked into our living room, and we had a flat-screen TV. Uh, had to watch college football, you know what I mean? Uh, it had been ripped out of the wall. Literally, there was nothing there. They just ripped off uh, the holder and everything. And then as we walked into our bedroom, every drawer in our house had been thrown, uh, pulled out and thrown out. And there were clothes everywhere. And I remember in that moment feeling exposed. I felt like everything that I had ever worked for, every every ounce of hard work, every effort that we had made in our marriage was basically um, gone through. And I felt like um, I had a piece of me that was taken that day. I felt like there was someone that maybe knew something about us. And then in that moment, we started wondering, who, who was this? Who, who were the people? Who was involved? Could they have possibly known us? Could it be someone close to us? Was there someone that knew we were going to be gone this weekend? And all of these things begin to run through your mind. And at first, you have questions, and then from there, it moves to just flat-out anger. And the reason why is because you feel like there was something that you had worked for and there was a, someone who came and they literally took it from you. They, they were thieves. They broke in and they destroyed. We had had a fire back in 2004, two years after we were married, and everything that we owned was devastated then. But I'll tell you, there was nothing like the time that someone broke in and took it. And I can just vividly remember the things, the expressions, all those things. And the reason I say that to you is this, is that we're going to read a passage today. And we're going to look at a thief, someone who's going to come in and desires to destroy. Someone who wants to take the flock and kill and steal and destroy. And I want you to feel the weight of this, the the tension going on, almost as if It was something that was yours, and someone came and took it from you. And I want you to feel all of this. And so, as we dive into the I am statements, we're going to look today at a statement that Jesus says about himself where he says, I am the door. And so, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to pick up with me in John chapter 9, and then we're going to move into John chapter 10. But I want you to see this story kind of unfolding. Obviously in your in your bible you have chapters and verses and but i want you to see that there's a split between chapter 9 and 10 that doesn't necessarily need to be there because you're looking at the same story. You're looking at a story that's taking place in the same setting, the same context, the same people, the same narrative, really, but yet there's a division there. And if you're not careful, if you were to just pick in John chapter 10 and start reading, you'd miss the entire context that was setting up John chapter 10 and what Jesus is about to do here. And so I just want you to see as we walk into these statements, this statement today, um, that Jesus is going to declare to us that he is the good shepherd. We're going to see that in verse 11. Before he ever says that, he says, I'm going to show you that I'm also the door. And so as we dive in, I do want to go ahead and just take a minute and welcome everyone. Um, And so especially to those in Will's Point that are are watching, but also those online. And so we're so grateful um, that you guys are joining us today. And uh, we look forward to this. And so here we go. John chapter 9. Let me give you the context. In John chapter 9, you see the disciples are walking with Jesus, and they see a boy that was born blind. And they ask this question in the very first two verses. Jesus, why is this man this way? Is he blind because of his sin or is because of his parents' sin? And I love Jesus' response. He says, it's neither. It's so that the power of God may be fully, what, manifested or displayed in his life. And so you see what Jesus is going to do. And, And so Jesus says it's not this guy's sin, it's not his parents' sin, because that's the that's the old adage, that's the thought, that there would be some sort of malfunction in someone's life, there would be something that comes back, in a sense, a reaping of what you sow type of thing, and it would be manifested because of a person's sin. Jesus goes, no, this man's not blind because he sinned, he's not blind because of his parents sin. he's blind, so the power of God may be displayed. And then what Jesus does, he's going to pick up some uh some clay he's going to put it in his eyes he's going to encourage the guy to go and wash it off and he does that and the guy comes back and you see this dialogue taking place in John chapter 9 where it's on the Sabbath and there are people that now see this man they go well I know this man we've seen that he was born blind now he uh, is he's walking around and he apparently sees and they ask the guy who did this and he says with well, Jesus and they said well do you what do you know about Jesus I don't know much about Jesus I, I I know that I was blind and now I see. And that's about what he knew. And so then they go to his parents and they go, tell us, is this really your boy? And they go, well, I know for sure that it is my boy. This was the very boy that came out of my womb. This is him, our son, which we love. Well, has he always been blind? Yes, he was born blind, but now he sees. And they begin to question them. And then they say, because of fear of the Jews, they say, listen, go ask the boy. He'll tell you. And they go ask the boy, and they say, listen, tell us. And he goes, I've already told you once. It's very clear. I was blind, but now I see. I don't know much about the man other than he must be from God. He must be divine. And then the question then becomes, well, how, how would Jesus, if he's, a, if he's divine, how can he do healings? But even then, how would he be doing healings on the Sabbath if he was divine, because no one would do things on the Sabbath, and that must make him a sinner. And so here's this question that these people were asking, well, how would a sinner do something that seems so divine? And the man goes, I don't know, nor do I care. I was blind, now I see Jesus the guy, you either trust him or you don't, that's your choice. And then there's this dialogue, and he goes, but I'm going to trust him. And so this man follows Jesus, and I want you to just pick up the rest of the story in John chapter 9. I'm going to put it for you up on the screen, verses 35 through 41. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, meaning after he said, I'm going to follow this guy, they go, listen, you are just a measly old sinner. You were born blind. You had malfunctions. Get out of our presence. They say, you're not worthy of us, leave. And so Jesus hears that they cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Underline that in your Bible if you're making notes. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost in Luke chapter 19. But here he's in saying in John chapter 9, he goes, I came, and he goes, I came for the purpose of making the blind see, and I came to make those who see blind. Meaning, those who believe in me, I will illumine them. I will open their eyes and their hearts. He goes, even in Ephesians 2, from the very foundation of this world, God knew those he would call to himself. He goes, I'm going to make them see. He also knew those who would not see, those who would not be inclined, to have an ear to hear, and he goes, I'm going to make them blind. And some of the Pharisees near him heard these things, and they said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt, but now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Meaning, you believe that you see. But the way that you perceive things to be is not true and it's not accurate. And therefore there is blood on your hands, there is guilt, and you will forever pay the consequences in separation from a holy God. You will not be a sheep in his fault. And so then he brings into the story, as he's seen all of this go down, as he's heard about it, he's talked to the man, he's had a handful of affairs, he's asked questions, he begins to say these things in John chapter 10 verses 1 through 10. And I'm just going to read it, and then we'll come back to it. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he was brought out of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Now a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This is the figure of speech Jesus used with them, and they did not understand what he was saying to them. And so Jesus again said, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers of the sheep, did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pastor. And the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So what Jesus is simply doing here is he is setting the stage to show you what it looks like to be the good shepherd. He's showing you a, a picture of what it means to be his sheep what it means to know him, to follow him, to trust him. And he's speaking to a group of men who claim to be the religious leaders of their day. He is speaking to men who, they, they look the part, in some ways they act the part, but yet their hearts are far from God. They are in darkness. They are thieves and robbers. They do not know God, they do not abide in him, they don't trust in him, and they actually condemn those who seem to be lower than them. And so what they did with this man who was born blind but has now put his trust in Jesus was what? To cast him out. You are not of our rank. Get out of here, you peasant. And Jesus says that is not indicative of what a shepherd should do. And he's actually referring to something very deep here. And so I encourage you to have a pen and a piece of paper or write your Bible because what you're about to see here is, I think, going to blow your mind. And I think it just goes to show what Scripture is because oftentimes we think, oh, man, Jesus told cute little stories and parables, and um, he told so many things that people could kind of grab a hold of, and it's very clear that not everyone grabbed a hold of Jesus' stories. Matter of fact, if, if you see it time and time again, it could have been the disciples, it could have been the Pharisees, but it seemed to be that they didn't quite understand what Jesus was saying. And now that we have the entire counsel of God's word, we have from the beginning in Genesis to the very end, the Alpha and the Omega, God himself shown to us through the word from Genesis to Revelation, you have the law, you have the prophets, you have poetry, you have the, the works of Jesus, the good news, the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You have Paul's writings. You see Peter, his story. You, you see what uh, Jude has to say. You see John's description in Revelation. You and I can piece some things together that they couldn't. And so let's piece them together. Jesus says, through the prophet Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 34, what a shepherd should be. And then he's going to give another depiction of what it is in Jeremiah, in chapter 23. And we're going to show you both, what a shepherd shouldn't be. Now what's interesting is that Jesus is here, and he's going to proclaim something that all the Jews would know. It is not new to them about sheep the Jewish people, whether they be on the very lowest tier to Pharisees or to Sadducees or to the upper elite, whatever, they knew about sheep. They weren't all shepherds, but they obviously were familiar with the context of shepherds. There was a a plateau, and and that land was a kind of a a dry and bare land. It, It wasn't fertile for crops, and so there were shepherds, and they had sheep, and they would wander from place to place, and it was a plateau that many of the sheep would go, and they would go, and it was a, a very difficult task to be a shepherd. I mean, to be a shepherd and to, to have a small flock that you were to care for and you were to, to protect and to, to fend off, it, that was the goal of the shepherd. It was a, a very, uh, not only w- w- just difficult task but it, it was a task that would take most of your time your effort and your strength why because as they're fending things off they also are awake a lot and what you would see though is that in the night hours they would come together and it would be them and a handful of ever, uh, other shepherds they would come together and you would see that they would partner together and that they would they would help each other get some rest by hiring a porter a hired hand that would help as they guarded the sheep at night so they could rest. Now, if you'll see this, you're going to kind of feel all this unfold. And so Ezekiel 34, you're going to see what happens. Verses 1 through 16, I'm just going to read it quickly. I'm not going to comment a whole lot on it. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. Prophecy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophecy and prophesy and then say to them, even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God, O shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat and you clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you don't feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So this is a shepherd, and Israel is the picture of, of sheep, and then their leaders, these thieves and these robbers, are the pictures of the shepherds. And in Ezekiel, God says, I want you, Ezekiel, to speak to the people. He goes, oh, son of man, I want you to show them what they have done. And you have the leaders, you have the priest of that day who have wandered themselves. They have given themselves over to idols and debauchery and so many other things, and they are also being harsh with their people. He goes, you haven't clothed them. Matter of fact, you took the wool. You haven't fed them, but you seem to eat the fat ones. If they, if they go wandering, you don't care. You don't get up and go look for them. If they're scattered, you it's no big deal. And so they become food for the beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains on every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search and seek for them. Guys, do you remember the picture of what's going to happen and and what does happen in Babylon? Sheep would be scattered. They would be wondering. Let me ask you a question. Are the sheep in Israel still scattered? Yes. He goes, and there is not a shepherd one to search for them. He goes, they seem to be left for the wolves. They're all over and there's not one person, not one priest, not one king, not one anyone that's going to look for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely, because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd. And because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves, they have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus the Lord said, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand, and put a stop to their feeding in their sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, so that they may not be food for them. He goes, they're not going to continue to devour their own. They're not going to continue to, to wear their wool and to eat their meat. Do you understand? you get the picture? For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. And as a shepherd who seeks out his flock, when he is among the sheep, I have I have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep, and I will rescue from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness, and I will bring them out. From the peoples, and I will gather them from countries, and I will bring them back into their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There there they shall lie down in a good grazing land. Do you see that? I will lead them to green wa- or green what? Pasture and still waters. He goes, I'm going to provide for them. Verse 15, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the stray. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and the strong I will strew and I will what? Then feed them in justice. My friends, I want you to understand what God has done. He goes, I see those shepherds who have taken advantage of the flock. Because I'm going to remove them and I'm going to set up a, what? A good shepherd. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? Jeremiah 23 is a picture of it as well. Just verses one through six. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore thus the Lord says, the God of Israel concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and you have driven them away. You have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. He goes, if you're not going to shepherd the sheep, Then get this, I'm going to pay you judgment. Do you understand what he's saying here? He goes, my sheep are important to me. If you're not going to shepherd them, then I will hold you accountable for that. Then in verse 3, he says, then I'll gather a remnant of my flock in all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold. Underline that if you're in Jeremiah 23, I'll bring them back to the fold. And he's saying after David is come and gone, there will be a Davidic king. Even though the people of Israel are scattered, there's going to be a day in which I gather them back. They are my people. I will shepherd them. I will search for them. I will clothe them. I will feed them. I will give them green pasture. I will give them still water. I am the good shepherd. And so Jesus says in the midst of who? Terrible shepherds. People who have just cast out the blind man, but yet they're supposed to be the people leading Israel. These Pharisees, these Sadducees, these people of the law—they know it. They dot their eyes, they cross their t's, but their hearts are far from God. He goes, "I will judge you severely. I will make you blind, and I will make other men who were dead now walk and see." And he goes, "Why? Because I am bringing sheep back to my fold." But what's interesting here is that he's going, to, he's going to do something in this passage that's really incredible. He's going to show you who the sheep are in verses 1 through 10. And I think you and I have probably read this many a times, and maybe you have seen this time and time again, and you think, oh, okay, yeah, it's a cute little story. It's about Jesus and the sheep in a fold. That's awesome. But I want you to see it because I think It's incredible. Because if you are here and you don't really understand Scripture, or even better yet, you'd go, I just don't believe Scripture. I don't see how you could finish this story from Ezekiel 34 to to Jeremiah 23 and many other passages to the people of Israel and not see what Jesus is saying about himself. It's not possible. You, You either have to believe in the Word and the proclamation of the Word, or you have to decide, I don't believe in God, and your eyes are then, what, darkened and your hearts are shut Verse 1, John 10, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. He goes, there are sheep that are mine, and there are going to be people who try to to come over the wall. Now, here's the deal. This idea of shepherding is not new in the Scriptures. This idea of a fold is not new in the Scriptures. You saw it in Ezekiel 34. You saw it in Jeremiah 23. Psalm 23, Jesus or uh, David says about God. He says what? He is what? My shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 77, 2. You lead your people like a flock. Psalm 79, 13. We are your people, the sheep of your pastors. And we give thanks to you. Psalm 81. Give Ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. Shepherding is not new. And so he goes, But there are those who they try to steal the sheep. And so here's what would happen the, those in Israel that were shepherding people, or I'm um, shepherding sheep, would come and they would bring their sheep together at night. And they would hire a porter or a hand, and they would enclose all of the sheep together at one time. And the shepherds would go, and and they would rest, and the porter would guard the door. Now, before they ever came in, this is what a shepherd's responsibility was to do. They would make sure to stand at the door, one door in, one door out, walls around. Could possibly have had a roof, but most of them probably didn't. That shepherd would watch, and he would call Billy. Come here, Billy. And Billy would come in. And then from there, he'd call Fluffy, right? Fluffy. And then you had Whitey, Whitey. And of course, in every family, you have a, a, a black sheep, right? So Blacky. So there's Blacky, right? And, and they would come in, and he would literally, not necessarily if they had names, but he would know their sheep. And he would call them in. And listen, shepherds were, were not exorbitant people. They didn't have hundreds and hundreds of sheep. I mean, they, they, they might have had a dozen. They might have had a half a dozen. But to to bring their, their flock into the fold was not in, a difficult task in, in the sense that you were going to have four or five hundred sheep in a fold. And so imagine that there were you know 30, maybe 40 sheep in a fold, and there might have been four or five shepherds coming together. And they bring those in, and they, they literally inspect every single one. So as it comes into the door, they inspect it. They look it over from front to back, knowing exactly who the sheep is. In the fluffy seasons where there's lots of wool, they would literally comb through it and make sure there were no injuries, and they would pass them into the fold one by one. They may have six, they may have 12. They'd pass each and every one in. And Once all of them were in the fold, they would shut the door, they would go and have a nice rest, Then the porter would know all of these sheep are accounted for. Now the next day you may wonder, well, how in the world is it that they're going to leave the next day. They're going to to walk out of the door, and they're going to eventually have to figure out whose sheep. Well, how do they know whose sheep are which? Well, according to this scripture, it's going to be what? Those that lead by voice. I have cows. Anybody have cows in here? You're a cattle guy? Yeah, I'm I'm not really a cattle guy, but I have some, okay? I can call ours up. And my dad can call ours up with a distinct voice. And you could lead them with grain. You could do whatever you want. But when they hear our voice, and when they hear that distinct call, they're going to come running. And that's the picture that you're going to get here as well. And so he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a robber. So here it is. All your sheep are in a pen in a fold. The porter is watching. He guards the door. The only way in, the way out is through the door, this gate per se. And he goes, and the only way that you will take one that's not yours is to what? Steal it. You're going to climb over a door. You're not going to go through the front door of someone's house. You're going to go through the back door. You're going to take something that's not yours. And that man is a thief and a robber. Do you see this? Then verse 2, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. This here is implying that there is a shepherd who is going to open the door and and he's going to lead his sheep through. Who is that shepherd? That shepherd is the one who leads sheep. It, It could apply in many ways to Old Testament shepherds, good and bad. But here as well, I think Jesus is going to reference it several times that he is the shepherd. That he is the one who leads sheep, that the, the sheep will know him and follow him. Uh, 1 Peter 2, 25. Peter says, For You were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. That's Jesus. Hebrews thirteen twenty. Now that you may know the God of peace who brought again from the dead of our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. Jesus. It's also going to be implied by many New Testament writers in Ephesians 4 in Peter uh, 1 Peter 5 and, and other places that Paul uses it for shepherds, for overseers of the church, pastors, people who are to guard the flock. And so it's, it's used of Jesus and it's used of his people who guard his flock, his people. And so you may be here and you may go, okay, well, who, who is it that is the good shepherd? The good shepherd is Jesus. Well, who are his sheep? You go, we are. But I would disagree. In John chapter 1, verse 10, it's Israel. But look at verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And I must bring them in also, and they will listen on my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. He goes, there's a fold. It's Israel. They have been misguided, misled, they are scattered all over the place. He goes, "I'm going to call them to myself. I am going to call them out of the fold." And there's another part. There's another fold that I have. Those are the gentile people. And he goes, "In one day, they're going to have one shepherd and they're all going to be what? One fold." Do you see it? And so look at verse 3, to him the gatekeeper. The he the door opens. The, the sheep hears voice and he calls his sheep by name and he leads them out. And so here it is. The next morning, the shepherd gets up. He's had his breakfast. He goes really early. He got his cup of coffee in his hand. He, he finishes and then he goes, hey, Fluffy, hey, Whitey, hey, Blackie, come on. And here he is. They go. And the porter doesn't go, whoa, 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 whoa. he's not yours. Why? Because only his will follow. They, they know his voice and he leads them out. Do you see the picture? Verse 4, And when he brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A good shepherd doesn't doesn't get a a staff and and drive them out. He simply, with his voice, says, follow. And they follow, and they lead, and they obey. Why? Because they know the, the shepherd. They know his voice. They know his tender touch. They, they've known his discipline, but they, they believe that, that he loves them and that he cares for them. And so he calls them out of the fold. And he says, and we're going to take you and we're going to find pasture. And so he would bring them into the fold. That's why a lot of people debate, well, in John chapter 1, verses 10, is, is it the church? Uh, is it possibly heaven that they're talking about? But the deal is, is this. The shepherd is calling them out of the fold. And the reason he's calling them out of the fold is to take them to something better. And so he leads them by voice. But he makes a a point here in in verse 5. He goes, as the shepherd leads by voice, he says, Look, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And so if, if another shepherd came in, and he came with force, he had his, his rod and his staff, and he came in and, and he tried to herd them out, they're going to scatter along the fold. They're going to keep running in the sheep pen. And it doesn't matter how hard he pushes them to the gate, they're not going to try to go to the gate. Yeah, may, maybe one scatters out here and there, but the bottom line is it's going to be a very difficult and arduous task for a guy who's trying to steal the sheep. And so for a thief and a robber to jump over the wall and then try to lead sheep that are not his out is going to be an impossible task, which is why I make the note for those of you in here who go, well, is it possible for you to believe in Jesus then eventually just wander the faith, denounce him, and, and, and ultimately to, to not declare your love for him? And the answer is no, it's not possible. You either know the shepherd and you hear his voice and you obey him and you follow him, John chapter 10, or you don't. Which is the most confusing thing in the church. For you to continue to lie to yourself and to believe that, oh yes, I love Jesus, oh I love God, I've believed in him since I was a kid, but yet you do not do what he says. You are lying to yourself. You are not of his fold, you are not of his flock, you are not listening to his voice, you are not being obeyed. You are being deceived and ultimately are going to be stolen, killed, and destroyed. And so Jesus says again to them so that they understand the picture, After giving this figure of speech in verse 6, which they do not understand, verse 7 he says, And so let me say it to you again. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Listen, he is not just the good shepherd, but he says, I am the door. Get this. He's the porter. He's the shepherd. But he's also the gate. He goes, I open the door. He's going to say it in John chapter 4. 14 verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. He's going to reiterate it. We're going to discover that in a few more weeks. Listen to me. He goes, I am the way. I'm the way in. I'm the way out. If you want the Father, you have to come through me. He says in Ephesians 2.18 this way, for through him we both have access to God, the Father, through one spirit. Do you see it? In verse 8, he says, All who came before me are thieves and robbers. So he says, Israel has not had a picture of a Messiah yet. They have heard about it. There have been many people who want to to claim to lead them, but they have led them astray. There have been many people that have oppressed them, have scattered them. And listen, this is not new. Do you understand that there are people, there are pastors, there are shepherds, there are people now that they do not care about the flock. They don't care about the church. They care about gaining from the church. They let sheep wander. They don't care. They let sheep get really fat and wooly. They take their wool and they consume it and they eat the meat. It's happening today. It has happened then. It will continue to happen. Matter of fact, just so you understand, there's going to be one final robber and thief, and that's going to be the Antichrist. And so until that day, what God is going to do is continue to gather his people, but he goes, I'm going to primarily gather them, call them out of the fold, Judaism, This law-based system in which does not work, I'm going to call them out of it in the millennial age. I'm going to give them a chance to follow and respond. And those who know me, hear me, will follow me. Do you see the picture? And there will be one who tries to thieve and destroy and lead them astray. He will call to them, but they will not follow. I am the good shepherd. Do you see the picture here? And so sheep... Listen not to thieves, not to robbers, not to imposters, but they listen to the one who calls them that is the good shepherd. So Jesus is saying, Men, men, listen. Your eyes are darkened to the truth, but those that I call will follow. And this blind man goes, I see, I get it. You're the good shepherd. I'm following you. And that's what the shepherd has come to do. And so in verse 9, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pastor. The point of salvation is not to squelch your life. The point of salvation is not to give you more rules, regulations, and legalistic attempts to find a way to devote yourself to God. Salvation frees you up to come and to go. It is the banquet table of the Lord. It is the, the everyday blessings of green pastures and still waters. It is the protection, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thy rod and bring me comfort. It is the preparation of the eternal banquet feast. And he prepares the table before me. It is the good shepherd calling out the sheep out of the fold. And he goes all the while protecting you from the thief, verse 10 that comes to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it to the full. Listen to me. Here's here's the picture. Get this. The only way that a a sheep was going to make it out of the fold was not an imposter going, woohoo, woohoo, come on, Blackie, come here. The only way that a sheep made it out of the fold was a thief to climb over the wall. Verse 1. Kill the sheep and drag it back over. Because the moment he put his hands on it, bam, bam, bam. It's trying to scatter. It's trying to run. What did he do? Kill it. Drag it back over. See, the, the idea is to steal, kill, and destroy. Listen to me. People who do not care about your growth spiritually Could care less if you get malnourished or if you get fat and you sit in your seat. Hear this. There are pastors all over this country that could care less what you do in your spiritual growth. I'm not one of them. Our staff is not one of them. If you want to be a part of this fold, this flock, this body, then come on. There's too much at stake. I do not care if our attendance is cut by 50% next week. I want to be the most committed church in Van County. I want to be committed to the gospel all around the world. And if you're a part of it, then come on. If you're not, listen to me. There may be somewhere else that you can go. But we're going to commit to lead you to, to the things that I believe are scripturally based that are giving you food and water. Are we perfect? By no means. Have we lost a few? Yes, but we've gone searching. And the reason why is because there is a weight on us as shepherds that Jesus puts. And 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 Peter, he he gives you this example, and I'm gonna close with it. In 1 Peter 5, he, he says, Listen, there are there are people who are deceiving sheep right and left. Listen, you can look around. There are people deceiving sheep with false doctrine and and, and, and lies and deception. There are some that are are, are giving you good doctrine but are not calling you to anything. They're not calling you to to green pasture and still water. But Peter exhorts shepherds. He uses the same word. So I exhort the elders among you. That's a pastor, that's an overseer, whatever you want to. It's the leaders of the church. Those who are following, he is a fellow elders, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you not for shameful gain, but eagerly not domineering over those in your charge. And so for those that just heard me be domineering, please forgive me, okay? I'm not trying to push you through the gate. I want to lead you. But he says, Be an example of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God oppresses the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. See, listen, the commission here is this. He goes, listen, and the, the, the good shepherd has called sheep to be a part of the fold. Even... Even Jeremiah 23, Ezekiel 34 you give you the picture though, that God is going to give shepherds to care for his flock. And so he is the good shepherd. He is, he is the head of the body. We are his body. We are his church. And he goes, but I'm going to give you overseers. I'm going to give you people to lead you. And, and this is what they should do. And so for me, this text, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5, really 4, he goes, you should lead. Don't be abrasive or harsh. But lead. And he goes, and likewise, if you're a part of the church, you ought to follow. Clothe yourselves with humility. And then verse 6 is just a good call to all of us. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Why do we have to be watchful? Because the enemy wants to climb over the wall. you get the picture? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Listen, if you believe that the devil is all-powerful, omnipotent, that he can be everywhere at all times, you're wrong. But I'll tell you what he does use. He uses people that claim to be shepherds but are not good shepherds. He oftentimes will send people into the flock that are wolves dressed in sheep's clothing, Matthew chapter 7. Do you see the pastor, the overseer, the shepherd of the flock needs to be the To be uh, diligent, vigilant. Why? Because there are people who want to lead God's people astray. And and who are God's people? Verses 1 through 10, it's Israel that God's calling back to him. And verses following, he says, I'm the good shepherd. I'll be the good shepherd too to Gentiles, those who've been adopted in my family. That's you and me, all one fold, all one shepherd. What do we do? We listen to his voice and we follow him. Meanwhile, he supplied us shepherds to help us continue to enjoy green pastures. We come and we go, we enjoy the presence of God. Why? Because our great high priest, Jesus, has made it possible for us to have access to the Father anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Do you see the point here? Meanwhile, stay vigilant, vigilant, stay on task, be alert. Why? Because the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants your kids to leave the church and not come back to the church. He wants you to fail in every single way. He wants you to be miserable. He'll use people to do it. He'll use circumstances. He'll do whatever he can to try to draw you out and ultimately kill you and drag you over the wall. And all I'm saying is, is that As the flock, we can guard against the enemy, the adversary, those who want to lead us astray. And we can enjoy the benefits of knowing God and abiding Him, knowing one day there will be no one that comes over the wall. Do you see the picture here? I think it's good enough that I can send you out without any other commentary. I love you. I love you. I love you. but I want to be committed to God, his flock, and to this fold. Heavenly Father, we love you. We we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it comes alive. We're so thankful, God, that that this idea of shepherding wasn't new to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It it may be new to us. We may not completely understand it. Lord, I think we get the point. You are the good shepherd, and you call your sheep, and they follow you. And they, they know your voice and they obey it. And so, God, we ask, God, that you would speak to us clearly through your word and that we would follow you. I pray today that there would be someone who follows you, who's obedient to you, who they leave their life of, of sin and, and that they come to be a part of the family of God. I pray, God, that you would move and stir in their hearts, that there would be a conversation that takes place today. God, we, we're so thankful for, for this church. We're thankful for... Those that are joining us online, and God, we pray that you would bless them immensely. That, God, that you would speak to them, that you would show us that you are the good shepherd, and more than that, you are also the door. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.